his word. Let's pray, and we'll turn to God's word together. Father, we love you. We honor and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us a word in season for this moment. I thank you, Lord, that none of this is uh, accidental or incidental. God, I thank you for your sovereign hand, and you have ordained this moment. Father, I pray that we will not be... uh, Not be careless to miss this moment, but that, God, we would align our hearts with what you desire to say and what you desire to do in our hearts. Speak to us now, Lord, as only you can. We trust you to do that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen Amen and amen. Uh, Just a a quick uh, word of vulnerability and transparency. I was wrestling with what to share tonight uh, up until I got up here. Uh, and uh, uh, there were several directions I could have taken, uh, and, uh, but I think I found my sweet spot uh, tonight. Uh, and I say that also to let you know there won't be a whole lot of notes on the screen just because I didn't have notes to give the media team. Amen? Uh, but I trust that the Lord will speak to us uh, uh, as he desires to. Amen? And uh, one of the things I learned early on in Bible school was to be instant, be ready in season and out of season. And I also discovered in leadership uh, this simple principle, blessed are the flexible because they will bend and not break. If you're going to have longevity with God, that's a principle you ought to embrace. Not to be rigid, but to be flexible and pliable in the hands of the Lord. Remember, God's word declares that he is the potter. And we are the clay. He fashions us and he molds us as he desires to. Uh, So I had this agenda of what I was going to share and preach. But it just just seemed like it was not quite the right thing. And I think I landed on the right thing. We're still in the book of Acts. Shout out to everybody who's been on this journey with us. Uh, We wrapped up a few days ago with Acts chapter number 28. Uh, You guys joined us on this journey where we're reading a chapter of the book of Acts each day, and we were learning what it looks like when the church, when God's people go viral, amen? When we become a church that is irresistible, unstoppable, infectious, come on somebody, and contagious, meaning you and I become the thermostats, not the thermometer. The distinction is simple. The thermometer tells you what the reading of the temperature is in the room, and the thermostat sets the temperature and the atmosphere in the room. That's what God has called us to, that's what God has called us to. That's who God has called us to become. He has called us to stand out, not to fit in. To be the influencers, not the ones being influenced by culture. I'm sorry being influenced by Christ instead of culture. So I think I landed on where we're supposed to be in tonight. Uh, For those of you who are note takers, uh, tonight's message is simply titled Waymaker. Come on, somebody. It's titled Waymaker. If the church needs to be reminded of the nature and the character of God, I believe we need to be reminded that our God is a waymaker. I called up a friend of mine. Because I'm trusting God to do a notable miracle uh, for our church. And this this is what he said when I called him up. Because I know this guy's a great man of faith. I've seen him pray bold, audacious prayers like Joshua prayed and God caused the sun to stand still. This guy is a radical man of faith. So I called him up. I said, man, I need you. This is what I'm trusting God to do. and, and And I need you to join your faith with my faith. And when I told him what I was trusting God to do, Uh, he said, Ray, (laughs) you don't need God to part the Red Sea. (laughs) You need him to part two Red Seas. (laughs) And even this guy, God's man of faith and power choked when I told him what we need God to do. Amen? There's a place in the scripture where there's a man who brings Jesus, uh, brings his son to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Have you ever been in that place with God? Where on the one hand he said, God, I know you can do this. 
But on the other hand, there's that, that pesky little voice It causes you to question whether God will do it. One of the discoveries I've made, Converge Church, is, 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 is sometimes our, our, our struggle in faith is not whether or not God can do it because we believe that God is able. Sometimes our struggle is, is God willing? Sometimes the struggle is not his ability. Sometimes the struggle is in his willingness. And not, let me even go become, uh, get a little bit more specific. Sometimes it's not just his willingness. Sometimes we wrestle with whether he's willing to do it for me. Hmm? And so tonight, I don't know if this is just personal or if this is a corporate word that will encourage those who need God to be a way maker tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So let's look to the text. Uh, our anchor text for this series, Supreme 2.0, is lifted from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse number 40. Uh, this is sort of a sequel to, to the sermon series we did at the beginning of the year, uh, where we discovered the supremacy of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ, the sovereignty of Christ. And we thought about it in sort of a global context. But in this series, we're discovering what it looks like for Jesus to be supreme in our lives and for us to live that out every single day. That's what this series about, is really about, the supremacy of Christ in the life of the believer. And we see that fleshed out in 28 chapters in the book of Acts through the early church. Because God, by design, listen to this, by design, chose his church to be his agents of change in the earth. That God desires to bring transformation to the earth through you and through me. By design, not by default. I'll say this as well. Everything in, that you and I have in our life is the direct result of what we created or what we've tolerated. Yeah. What exists in your life today is a direct result of design or default. Aren't you glad we serve a God who's a God of design? Amen. A God who is deliberate and intentional? And when Jesus left the earth, he left you and he left me in the earth to be his agents of change to bring transformation so that he could find expression in the earth through ordinary people, listen to me, ordinary people like you and like me. And so that's what this series is about. What it looks like when we allow Jesus to live through us and what God can do through ordinary people like you and me. So here it is, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 20. We're learning what it looks like when Jesus is supreme in his church. And when we say in his church, we're talking about what Jesus looks like, what it looks like when Jesus is supreme in the life of the believer, when Jesus has his rightful place, when Jesus is exalted and holds the place of authority, and when Jesus has the final say, when we dethrone self and enthrone Jesus. When we decrease so that he can increase in us. So, that's all, so that all that's left of us is him. So here it is, Acts chapter 2, verse, beginning at verse 40. And with many words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day... About 3,000 souls were added to them. Somebody say viral. That's what it looks like when the church goes viral. Can you imagine preaching one sermon and instantly your church grows by 3,000? That's a good problem to have, amen? But imagine what that would look like logistically. It would look good on your books. Oh, man, we went from 120 in the upper room to 3,120 after one sermon. But God was doing something powerful and something profound in the early church because the church went viral. And we begin to see the blueprint of what God was doing through the church and how he did it. 
Notice the next verse, it says, and they continued steadfastly. They were diligent. They were intentional about these three things first. The apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God. And that's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The question is, what have you allowed to inform your life? What is the basis of the decisions that you make? Is it the word of God or is it just your experiences? The danger of making decisions based only on my experiences is that my experiences are finite. My knowledge is finite. And you and I cannot live and lead beyond what we've been exposed to. And most of us have limited the possibilities for our lives because we have excluded God's words and we only rely on our experiences and our education and what we've learned. Yet Jesus says, if you and I will tap into the word, the possibilities become endless. So the early church were diligent students of God's word. Number two, they continued steadfastly in fellowship, in koinonia, in the breaking of bread. They were their brother's keeper. And thirdly, they continued in prayers. For all my note takers, circle that word prayers because that's where we're going to land tonight. Well, actually, the next verse is where we're going to land because I believe this is where the church should live. Are y'all with me? It says, then fear came upon every soul. The word fear there is, is the word reverence. That once again, people began to live in awe of God. And that's one of the things that's lost in the church today. Reverence, awe, and wonder for God. But notice what it, Scripture says next. It says, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Come on, somebody. The church needs to return to this part of the gospel where we see God working through his people and doing things through his people that they cannot do by themselves or for themselves. It can only be described as a miracle. Wow, y'all got quiet on me real fast. We need to represent to our world a God who is a miracle worker. Yeah. And God desires not only to do it in you, not only for you, but God desires to do it through you. He wants you, he wants me to be channels and conduits for his miracle working power. And that's one of the things that stood out about the early church. Now, remember, God's original plan for his church is his eternal plan for his church. He hasn't changed his mind. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So what he did through these fishermen and tax collectors, he desires to do through you. And it's not just limited to the four walls of the local church. He wants to do it through us everywhere we're planted. In the public square, in the marketplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, he wants us to be conduits and channels of his miracle working power. That's why the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You and I carry the very Zoe life of God that gives us the advantage in life. And God wants us he wants us to be free and open channels of this life-giving power everywhere that we go. So here it is. Here it is. The next verse says, Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and sold their possessions and their goods. They divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, and they ate their food with simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Here it is. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Somebody say viral. viral. 
On the first day, the day of Pentecost, he added 3,000, but it didn't stop there. The church that we see in the book of Acts is a church that is infectious and contagious. And everywhere they went, through the early church, God was adding those who were being saved to the church daily. Because his people allowed themselves to become vehicles of his power, his truth, and his love. So this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to Acts chapter number 16. What does that look like in the everyday life of the believer? How do I become this channel for God's miracle working power? How do I become this vessel of God's love and God's grace? How do I become this change agent in the earth? How do I become the person that says, oh, God, pick me, pick me, pick me. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. Lord, if you're going to pick anybody, pick me in spite of me, in spite of my failures, in spite of my shortcomings. Are y'all with me? I I want you to hear this because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And the thing that's, if the thing that's held you back is this sense like, well, I ain't qualified to do it. Listen, you need to cast that thing off and simply say to God, Lord, I'm available. Because he makes the available able. I'll say that again. He makes those who make themselves available able. And I'll say it again. It bears repetition He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And long before you or I ever made a bad decision, long before you and I ever made a bad choice, he already knew every move we would make, every mistake, every misstep, and he still chose you. He still chose me. The question then is, if the devil has voted against you and God's voted for you, who cast the deciding vote? It's you. And many times we allow the lies of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, the lies of the enemy to talk us out of God using us to do through us all that he desires to do. I'm talking to somebody tonight. I'm talking to somebody tonight who has believed the lie that God can do it through anybody but me. Anybody ever hear the name Joe Montana? Anybody know what round Joe Montana was drafted? Third round. Anybody ever hear the name Russell Simmons? Not Russell Simmons, Russell Wilson. Anybody know what round Russell Simmons was drafted? I'm sorry, Wilson. I'm thinking about Fat, fat Farm and Def Jam. <laughs> Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks. Anybody know what round he's drafted? Third round. Anybody ever hear the name Terrell Owens? You know what round he was drafted? Third round. Anybody ever hear the name of the guy who is arguably the GOAT when it comes to football at the quarterback position, Tom Brady? Sixth round, 199th overall. That means all of the experts, I'm talking about the experts who have disqualified you. The people who have said you ain't good enough, who have said there are 198 people better than you, they picked him at 199. 199 in the sixth round. You guys know Damon Denson, who was a part of our church and moved to Atlanta? Damon played with Tom Brady at Michigan. He was a third-string third quarterback at Michigan. And he hardly got any reps when he was with the Patriots. And it was when Drew Bledsoe got hurt that he stepped up and never looked back. The whole time, Tom Brady was carrying, carrying that greatness within him. And nobody recognized it. 
The fact that nobody recognizes the greatness that you carry and the greatness that you are hasn't changed God's mind about you. We talking about Tom Brady? Let me tell you about a guy who was the eighth option. It's a young man named David. Because when Samuel showed up to anoint the next king of Israel, the man of God, the subject matter expert who knew the voice of God, shows up at Jesse's house, and he sees the oldest son who stood head and shoulders above all the other siblings. Oh, guess what, Samuel, the man of God, who heard from God, who carried this prophetic weight, says, surely the Lord's anointed. Listen, your life and my life and what we have in our lives is the sum total of the voices we've chosen to believe over the course of our lifetime. I'll say that again. Where you are is a direct result of the voices you've chosen to trust over the course of your lifetime. And some of those voices have been the voices of your mama, your daddy, your coach, your teachers. Some of them were empowering voices, and some of them were voices that say you ain't going to amount to nothing. And what you have in your life now is a direct reflection of the voices you have chosen to believe. Good or bad. And the voice of God is saying, I want you to go out and change the world. In fact, I live in you so that you can change the world. So here's David. Here's David. Uh, uh, before David, Samuel, God says, listen, uh, pump the brake, Samuel. Here it is. He says, Samuel, I need you to deal with your own internal shallow how. Because all of us got a little bit of that shallow how Jack Black in us. Anybody ever see the movie? Where your every decision is based on external appearances? The original shallow how was Samuel the prophet. And God had to rebuke Samuel and say, man, looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. So guess what happened? Seven sons, I'm talking about first round, second round, third round, seven rounds. Jesse, his daddy, for those of you who have wrestled with father wounds, didn't invite David to the party. He was like, if God can choose any of my sons, it's going to be one of these seven. Surely not David. Because David's kind of weird. Every single day, he's out in the field with his harp, writing worship songs with his red-headed self and his red-skinned self. He doesn't look like one of mine. Come on, somebody. All my other children got dark skin and dark hair, olive skin and curly black hair. This one, red skin, red hair, the youngest. Let's see if God can do something with these seven. And notice what Samuel said. For the record, I ain't nowhere close to my notes. <laughs> but somebody needs to hear this. Amen. This is what Samuel said. He had to ask Jesse, uh, hold up now. I got this horn, and, and, and the Lord hadn't released me to anoint anybody is it possible that you got any more children? It wasn't like Jesse said, oh, man, I forgot about Jesse. I, mean, I forgot about David. No. It was the prophet who had to ask him. Is it possible that you got any other children that you didn't invite to this? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, man, listen, I got one more son, but he's out in the field tending sheep. Notice what Samuel said. He said, go and get him. And ain't nobody going to sit down until he gets here. You're all going to stand at attention until God's choice, the one disqualified by his daddy, shows up. 
because he is God's chosen. Yes. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So David shows up and Samuel anoints him. And guess what happened? The very next day, David went to the palace and became king. You see, that's how we would have written the story, right? <laughs> that, that's our version of, of, of happily ever after. Right, Disney version. Come on, somebody. The scripture says David went back to tending the sheep. I'm talking to the people in this room right now who know that you have been anointed king. You know that you are Saul's successor. And God says, not yet. Uh, listen to me. I'm talking to people, I'm talking to people who haven't seen the fulfillment of the dream yet. Can I just help you? Because this is where the enemy will mess with your head. Can I just help you real quick? Your desire ain't wrong. Your timing ain't right. This is where the enemy will mess with you. If it doesn't happen immediately, the enemy will get you to believe, oh, it wasn't God. It must not have been God. That was just me. He will get you to talk yourself out of what God ordained. And sometimes God says, not yet. Now, part of the, part of the, part of the process now, Converge, is how you manage the not yet. Yeah. Huh? Because I can, I'll venture to say that most of us now, <laughs> we ain't going back to the pasture not another day in our life. Especially if the prophet made all of y'all stand up for me. <laughs> he went back to tending sheep. I'm talking to that person you know that you know that you know God called you. But it seems like, man, every day is Groundhog Day. Ain't nothing changed. Can we be faithful with what God has entrusted to us now while we look to what God wants to do next? Because listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> yo, 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 I want to I tell the story, but I'm just, let me just have a conversation with y'all. Can I just have a conversation with Because here it is, here it is. Here it is. Y'all realize that David was tending sheep this whole time that he was anointed king. One day Jesse, his daddy, said, um, listen, your brothers are in the Valley of Elah doing big boy things. They're warriors. You, shepherd. So this is what you're going to do. You're going to gather up all them Lunchables and take your brother's lunch. So he gets the bread and cheese. Just an ordinary assignment. But how many of you realize, because of his obedience in the ordinary and the mundane, Let me ask it another way. Why was David in the Valley of Elah? He was there to serve his brother's lunch. Yet that was the moment that changed his life forever. While he's serving his brother's bread and cheese, he notices a, a giant that has been taunting the entire nation for 40 days. Daring them to present a champion. And here's this 16-year-old boy that God had called and anointed. Can I just say to you, without Goliath, David is just a shepherd boy. And most of us run from our giants. 
and we don't realize that the giant you slay, <laughs> are y'all listening to me? The giant you slay determines your next level. But most of us run, and we hide. Now, what if David had chosen to believe what his daddy said, what his brother said, over what God said? What if he looked at his circumstances and said, well, Lord, I know you told me I'm the next king, but nothing about my life is a reflection of your promise to me. Can I just say this? Exasperation and desperation sets in in our lives when what we expect looks absolutely nothing like what we experience. You see the gap? Somewhere in between this fist and this fist is where a lot of people live in frustration, in desperation, in doubt. Because what I expected is not what I'm experiencing, and what I'm experiencing looks a lot more real than what I expected, so this place is so frustrating. I'm just going to throw in the towel and give up. Yet God said, my promise to you today is just as true as it was then. So this is where I'm going to close. This is where I'm going to close. In Acts chapter 16, in Acts chapter 16, there's an incredible story, and we pick up the story in verse number 6, and I'm just going to read this to you, (laughs) and I'm just going to let, I I, I trust that the Lord will seal this word in your heart. In Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6, we see what Bible historians call Paul's second missionary journey. On the second missionary journey, Paul is traveling with Silas. Silas is his running mate, his traveling companion, and both of them are serving the Lord together. Uh, The purpose of this second missionary journey is for Paul to visit all the churches that he had planted because uh, Paul was a, and when you hear the word apostle, when you hear the word, uh, uh, it means church planter or missionary. It literally means sent one. So Paul had planted these churches And because he wanted to steward the work well, he would visit these churches to encourage the elders and those that he left in charge. So this is Paul's second missionary journey. And we begin reading in verse number six. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and through the region of Galatia, notice what the scripture says. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Whew. Let's pump the brakes right there for a second, right? Because, because this, this creates some confusion because God has already told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize all. And, and, and so Paul now is going where he's been before, where he's planted churches before, and where he's going is Asia to the church at Ephesus. That's where they wanted to go. And the Bible says the Spirit of God forbid them. Listen to me. <laughs> For those in the throes of decision-making, don't assume that you know what God is telling you to do. Listen to me. How do I say this? Here it is. God can guide you by the doors he closes just as quickly as he can the doors that he opens. Somebody said, say that again. I said, God can guide and direct you by the doors he closes just as quickly and just as effectively as the doors he opens. And most of us miss the direction of God because we're looking for the open door and we don't realize God has already given us direction by the door he closed. And so here are these guys who are supposed to go on a missionary journey. And not just go on a missionary journey, check this out. They were going to Ephesus. Ephesus was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. If you're going to preach the gospel anywhere, it seems like that's where you should go. Yet God said, don't go there. Most of us are motivated and our decisions are made based on what we can see, based on what we can measure. We take the job because of the, the pay. We take the job because of the package. We take the job because of the location. 
and we don't wait to hear whether the Lord is saying, no! There are times when the Spirit of God will forbid you to do something. This was Paul the Apostle who knew the voice of God. And he started in this direction, and as he's moving in this direction, the Holy Spirit says, stop! And I wonder how many of us have missed the will of God because we're looking for an open door and didn't recognize the door that God shut was his direction and his redirection. Okay? This for somebody. <laughs> well, we're like, well, Pastor, we pray. We believe God. I don't know why it happened. That was God preserving you. Whenever God says no, he is setting you up for a better yes. I'm talking about when Jesus is supreme in your life. If Jesus ain't supreme, you'll miss all of this. But when Jesus is supreme, you will allow him to redirect you. You will allow him to reroute you, even though you have your plan. And listen to me, it's okay to have a plan as long as your plan is subject to his purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Proverbs chapter 16. (laughs) I promise you I'm going to let you all go. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Is that the verse I want? Uh, Proverbs chapter 16. Look at Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Make sure your plans are subordinate to his purpose, and you allow him to call an audible. Notice verse 7 of Acts chapter 16. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. Listen. But the Spirit of God did not permit them. Hold on. These guys are steady trying to preach the gospel. And two times in a row, the Spirit of God said, "Eh -eh." I'm talking about the doors that God closes to get you to his purpose. Are y'all listening to me? And so here it is. It says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. I've already kept y'all long enough. But notice what the no was about. Because Paul was content keeping the gospel in Asia. Yet God wanted to bring the gospel to Europe. May I submit to you that some of the doors that have closed have closed because God's plan is not only about you. Listen, there were people praying in Europe, Macedonia, for Paul to come. Yet Paul was going in the opposite direction, doing what he thought was the right thing to do. Yet there are people praying for someone like Paul to come to them. So God had to close that door so that these people could get the gospel. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When Jesus is supreme in your life, you will allow him to disrupt your agenda because of what he wants to do for others. The way I want to work this thing, but I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to let y'all go. Listen, listen. Uh, so, uh, you ask the question, well, why didn't God just tell him at the beginning? There are certain things that God doesn't reveal to us until we start moving. There are things that God will show you as you go. He told Abraham, 
Leave everything you know, everything that's comfortable and familiar, and go to a place I will show you. Well, God, why don't you tell me where I'm going? No, leave everything, and as you go, I'm going to tell you where you're going. And so because of Paul's obedience not to go to Asia, not to go to Bithynia, the Lord showed him where to go next. May I submit to you that it's hard to steer a parked car? For those of us who say, well, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm just going to wait right here on the Lord. Nah, nah, nah. The Lord will guide and direct you as you move. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever rely on a GPS to get you to your destination? This is what I know about GPS, whether it's on your phone or in your car. If you've ever been on a long road trip and you set that GPS and you get out of the city gym and you get on that main stretch, that GPS will tell you, you're going to be right here for the next two hours or the next 600 miles or whatever. And for 600 miles, all you will experience from that GPS is nothing but you know why God ain't talking? Because you're right where you're supposed to be. And what he expects of you is to stay the course going the direction that he set for you. Now, the closer you get to your destination, what that GPS going to start doing? It'll say, well, exit in five miles. But it ain't going to say a whole lot more until you get to about two miles. Prepare to exit in two miles. And it'll go to prepare to exit in one mile. And the closer you get to your exit, the more frequent and maybe even louder the promptings become. Because it's time to exit. Are y'all with me? If God seems silent, it's because you're right where you're supposed to be. But here's the other thing. God is so faithful and God is so committed that if you miss your exit, How many of you realize that GPS will not shut up until you get back on track? (laughs) Try it one day. Just miss your exit and see what that GPS does. It will reroute and reroute and reroute and reroute until you get back on track. And some of the frustration that you might be feeling right now where you are is hearing the Spirit of God reroute you because he's so committed to getting you back to where he wants you. This is where I close. So he shows up in Macedonia, and when he gets to Macedonia, I'll pick up in verse 12, uh, he went from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia. It was a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. Why is this significant? It's significant because before a synagogue could be established, there had to be at least 10 Jewish males in the city. And the fact that there is no synagogue at this time suggests that there were not 10 Jewish males of prominence who could establish a synagogue. But listen to this. The women went to the river to pray. And so he shows up at the river uh, in Philippi, and this is what happens. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. Because there was no synagogue, the women went to the riverside to pray. Come on. Ah. There's some things I could say about that. There's some things I could say about that. There was no synagogue because the men didn't show up. I'm talking about what happens when men don't lead spiritually. And so the women are praying at the, at the, at the riverside, and they said we sat down and spoke to the women who we met there. Uh, verse 14, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. She was a businesswoman. Not just a businesswoman, but a prominent businesswoman. And listen, that's one of the reasons we've always celebrated women in leadership at Converge Church. We ain't scared. 
We celebrate women in leadership. We celebrate what God does in women and through women in the kingdom and in the marketplace. And if you study scripture, you'll see it over and over. So when God needed to plant a church in Philippi, where did he start? Converge her. The women who gathered to pray. And one of them, this lady, Lydia, was a prominent seller of purple. Now, let me just put this in context. A purple, purple, next level. That was the Gucci, the Louis Vuitton, the Fendi. That's the next level. Because they got the dye from the, the shell of a snail, and they extracted the mucus from the shell of the snail. Very rare. It was equivalent to having much gold. And this lady was a prominent businesswoman. And in her home... They planted the church at Philippi. He said, Pastor Ray, why you share all of that? I share all of that to simply say, here it is. The season that you're in is not just about you. The answers to your prayers are not just about you. The closed door is not just about your agenda. The redirection of God was because there was a Macedonian who was praying and there were women who were praying so that God could plant a church. And this is what happened. Because of Paul and Silas' obedience, Lydia became the first convert to Christianity in Europe. And what God began to do with the church in Europe started with this story because they allowed God to redirect them and they recognized that a closed door is still the direction of God. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? I said a lot of different things. I talked to you about Paul and Silas. I talked to you about David. But what I want you to hear the Lord saying is that in this season, in this season, he wants to work miraculously through you. I didn't even get to the miracle story, which comes a little bit later in Acts chapter 16. But God wants you to embrace the process that you're in now. Listen for his voice, even when it means you got to do a U-turn and he has to reroute you. Because there are people waiting on the other side of your obedience. That's so much bigger than what you planned all by yourself. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Uh, you alone know what tonight is about for someone. It might be for one, it might be for more, but Lord, tonight, I pray that somewhere we would see ourselves and we would see you as the God who is the, both the author and the finisher of our faith. For the one who has always felt disqualified, for the one who has always felt like they were unqualified. For the one who has always felt that they were underqualified. I pray, God, that you would minister encouragement and assurance to them. That, God, what you did for David, from the pastures to the palace, from number eight to number one, God, you can still do. You can still do. Father, I pray for that one, and I just sense this by the Holy Ghost, for the one who has been weighed down by their own mistakes, their own failures. God, would you do a new thing in the hearts of your people? Father, I pray also for the one who has felt resentment because of the closed door only because they didn't recognize that when you closed that door, it was a no because you were preparing a better yes. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see that better yes. Whether you're moving us from Asia to Macedonia so that we can find a group of women by the river in Philippi so that you can establish a church in a new place, God. I know it's just a metaphor 
But for someone out here tonight and someone watching virtually, this may be their answer. Thank you, Lord, for the no's. And we thank you, God, in advance for the better yes. We receive it now. We receive it now by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did that help anybody tonight? Glory to God. Amen and amen. If that message ministered to you and you have questions about faith and next steps, or if you just need someone to pray with you, uh, someone just to encourage you, uh, send us an email to echurch at weareconverged.com. To echurch at weareconverged.com. Our team will respond quickly uh, and will serve you uh, as best we can. Also, if you need resources, uh, you need a Bible or you'd like a copy of Fresh Start, which is one of the many books that we have uh, that'll help you with your walk with Jesus, especially as a new believer. Uh, we want to send that to you as well. Again, send us an email to echurch at weareconverged.com. We're here for you. We want to love you and we want to serve you and point you once again to our God who is the way maker. Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we prepare to dismiss the service tonight? I pray you are encouraged. Y'all pray for your pastor. This week was a tough one. And uh, man, just even leaning into what God wanted to say, I think I finally keyed in on it. And I pray again, you were encouraged by the message. And now, Lord, I pray that you would bless and keep your people, that you would make your confidence shine upon us, that you would be gracious to us, and that you would grant to each one of us your peace that passes all understanding in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.